You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. and I, we were listening last week to a podcast that Brother Court Chavis had created on our way to church, and from that podcast, I felt direction for the service here this morning. God just dropped that right into my spirit, and I immediately felt, that's what you need to speak. And here this morning, our context, it comes from Psalm 137, Verse 1, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me, and we'll also have it up on the screen here. It says, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof, for there they that carried us away captive required of us a song, and they that wasted us, required of us mirth, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. This is how they answered. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? If I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. If I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. If I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy." This context of the scripture that we get here today is derived from is derived from an experience that the Israelites have found themselves in, a prophecy of what would be to come, Babylonians coming in and their enemy coming in and stealing everything that they had and taking them off as captives. And today I want to speak to you here on this topic. Don't stop. Don't stop. And if we will, here together, you can lay your Bibles down. We're going to lift up our voice one more time together and ask God just to have his way here this morning. God, we are so thankful to come into this place once again. God, and I pray, Lord Jesus, underneath the unction of the Holy Ghost, that you would speak to these people that are here today. God, I pray, Lord, those, those that are watching and listening online, God, would, Lord, would hear your word, Jesus, and it would stir their hearts. God, I pray, Lord, speak through your servant here today, in Jesus' name, let your will be done. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The words of our text are the words of a nation of people who had been vanquished by the armies of the Babylonian Empire. I'm just going to switch my mic to the preaching mic. This one's a singing mic. This one's a preaching mic. The only... Real difference is that this one set with reverb and echo to make us sound angelic. <laughs> My wife says, stop telling our secrets. This story that we've read, this context that we've read here today is about a nation of people who have been vanquished by the armies of the Babylonian Empire. Their beloved and holy city, Jerusalem, has been sacked and set aflame. The beautiful temple that was built by King Solomon. 
that they cherished so much, the place that they would go to and worship God together, the place that they would join in song and in praise and in adoration, the place where they would bring their sacrifice to offer, now lay desecrated and left in ruins. The once proud nation of Israel has been placed into chains and marched away as slaves into a strange and foreign land. They are far cry from the God-fearing nation that every other nation was terrified of because it was God who led them away. And now they are being led away. The very people who were known throughout the world for their beautiful songs of worship to the God of their salvation have been reduced to listening to the taunts and ridicules of their captors. They ridiculed them as they marched them off to this foreign land the Babylonians, they may have heard of some of Israel's songs of praise as they studied their enemy, or maybe they just thought that they sang songs because they had seen their instruments, but all we know from our context here this morning is that they required of them a song. Maybe a song that the Israelites sang that we see from Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Maybe that's one of the songs that they were looking for to ridicule them over. Who are you afraid of now? What God is going to save you. And in celebration of their great victory over Israel, these captors mocked the people of God with a cruel request. Sing us one of your songs. Sing us one of the songs of Zion. And the people of God replied with a question, a question that I believe was more towards themselves than it was to their captors. How, how are we going to sing the Lord's song in a strange land? This sad account of the people of God finds them in one of the lowest points in their rich history. But it lends itself this morning as a spiritual lesson for us. I would suggest to you today upon a closer examination of this that there is a message of hope that is hidden in this context the psalmist records the question, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? But from this message today, I want to encourage you, don't hang up your harps on the willows. Don't stop singing. Don't stop praising. Don't stop serving. First of all, in verse 2, we read, we hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. The words of the psalmist, it creates for us this picture that we get this visual image of weeping saints standing at the edge of the river in the midst of weeping willows. Their heads hung in shame and defeat, rattled in chains. And he says, there they hang their harps. There, in the midst of what they were going through, they decided, now is not the time to praise. Now is not the time to worship. Look what's being done to us how can we sing and so they take their instruments of praise and they hang them on the willows 
It was there at the river's edge among the willows in the mood of spiritual dejection that they decided to hang up their instruments of music and worship. Those who made this decision were the minstrels. They were the music makers, the songwriters who played for the singers and aided the worship in the temple. They had once provided a valuable service to the people of God and the work of the Lord as they would enter into a time together of praise and worship, just like what we did here this morning. Before every service, we gather together in the back corridor, the anti-room, <laughs> as it's been known, and we join together and we pray that God would anoint us but that he would allow us to create an atmosphere for him to be worshipped in. Beyond anything that we do ourselves, it's not for our kingdom, it's not for our glory. We're not building anything for ourselves when we get up here to exalt his name. It's all for him. It's all for him. And so these individuals that have been commissioned by God, have been chosen by God to sing his praises, we're now in a place of utter despair. These prisoners brought their harps with them on their march into captivity. So somewhere in the back of their minds, even though their city and their homes had been destroyed, even though they were now in chains being led away into a strange land, they remained hopeful that the time would come when they would be able to play the Lord's songs once more. It might not be today. It might not be tomorrow. But there will come a time when we're able to sing the Lord's songs once again. Somewhere along their journey, the daily diet of the enemies, the enemy's verbal assaults and insults against the name of their God, Yahweh, took its toll. But I noticed in this story that they didn't destroy their harps. They didn't throw them away. They hung them up. And I believe somewhere in the back of their minds was a flicker of hope that there would come a time that they would be able to pick up their harps for the Lord's service and play once again. You know, things have a way of crashing into your life, catching you off guard, causing such a disruption that your initial reaction is to pack it in, quit, but don't do it. These servants may have hung up their hearts, but they never intended to stop serving. Their hearts may have been silent for a season, but they left the door open for the time when they would be able to play music and service for the Lord. And as long as God is still part of any equation, there is always hope. So don't stop serving. King Solomon wrote these words of wisdom. He said, to everything there is a season and a time, to every purpose under heaven. He went on to say, there is a time to weep, there's a time to laugh, there's a time to mourn, and a time to dance. There are seasons to weep and to mourn, but there will come a time to laugh and dance again. And in the meanwhile, don't hang up your harps on the willows. Don't stop serving. Even while you are weeping, even while you are hurting, while you're not feeling your best, don't stop serving. And then in verse 4, in verse 4 we hear the words of the singers. They ask the question, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? How do we go on from here? The request of their captors was as unreasonable as it was insulting. How could they, who had reduced us to slavery and dragged us off in chains from our beautiful land and privileges, 
expect us to sing one of our sacred songs to please them who were both enemies to them and to their God? How could they now expect laughter and entertainment from people in a state of poverty and oppression? The songs required of the singers were songs that were appointed by God and were to be sung only to His honor and in His service. They were the Lord's songs. How then could they be sung in a strange land for the benefit of a strange people who were enemies of God? You see, the enemy had taken everything. They took their homeland. They took their home. They took the place that they went to worship. They took their dignity. But they didn't take their harps. They didn't take their song. If they really wanted to win the battle, they should have taken their song. They should have taken the ability to praise away. And for the child of God, your song is the source of your praise. Your song is the vital expression of your joy and connectedness to God. Out of that comes a testimony. When you sing the Lord's songs, those around you offer just a glimpse into the relationship between both Creator and His creation. Your song is your testimony. Look what the Lord has done for me. Look what God has done for me. He's, he's brought me out such a mighty, mighty long way. Look what God has done. He can't take away your testimony. And like Israel, our enemy also comes to taunt us at times like these. Tribulations and trials may have darkened your door, but you still have a choice in the matter. You can keep your praise in the midst of it all. You can keep praying. You can keep worshiping through it all. Babylon is a symbol of the world. We did a series on this at the beginning of the year. And for some, Babylon has invaded their lives, taken their loved ones, disrupted your families, and now taunts you with the question, where is your God now? What happened to your songs of praise? What happened to your joy? Let me tell you here this morning, don't stop singing. Don't stay silent. The enemy may have stolen everything you had and led you away in chains, but you still have your song. You still have your testimony. And the enemy can never take that away. Israel became captives in a strange land. The minstrels could not play and the singers could not sing. But Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10 reminds us that the joy of the Lord is your strength. So don't stop singing. And then in verse 5 and verse 6, we hear the resolve of the Israelites. If I forget thee, if I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. Let me forget how to play an instrument if I forget you. If I do not remember you, let me let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth if I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy. The minstrel declared that even though his harp was hanging and silent, he had not forgotten how to play, and he had not forgotten how to serve God. And even though Jerusalem lie in ruins, he would not forget her joys and her glory. If he did forget, or if he ever played for any other reason than to glorify God, his prayer was, then let me lose my skill in the use of my harp. The singer vowed that should he ever forget 
where God brought him from, where God brought him to, if he was ever to forget the holy city Jerusalem and what it represented to the people of God, let me lose my voice and all its powers of melody and praise. They were devoted to Jerusalem and vowed never to forget her. If I forget the place God brought me to, let me lose my voice in my praise. In the midst of their calamity and suffering, Israel had the presence of mind to remember. I want to remind you this morning, don't forget where God brought you from. Don't forget the one who brought you out. Israel was admirable in their vows to remember, and they remembered, unfortunately, the wrong thing. They remembered Jerusalem, but they had forgotten God. They remember the blessings, but they forgot who it was that brought them there. They had forgotten the one who had brought them not over the Red Sea, but through the Red Sea and out of the wilderness. They were in captivity because they failed to remember their covenant relationship with the God of their fathers. The focus turned from relationship with God to rituals for God. They got so busy being in service to God that they forgot God. Whatever you do, don't forget your Savior. Don't forget that Jesus has gone ahead of you to prepare your steps. What he accomplished on the cross at a hill called Calvary, don't forget. He died a sacrificial death in our place to cleanse us from our sins and purchase back our freedom. Because of their sin and disobedience, Israel's enemy was allowed to defeat and enslave them. Moses warned them that this would happen. But I need you to remember that your Savior has already conquered and defeated the enemy. Psalm 100 and verse 2, it tells us, serve the Lord with gladness. Don't stop serving. And then it tells us, come before his presence with singing. Don't stop singing. And in verse and in Psalm 103, verse 2 to 5, we read, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagle's. Psalm 136 and verse 1, it tells us, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. His mercy endureth forever. In the New Testament, when we turn over there, the book of Acts, it talks about a story in chapter 16 that takes place in the city of Philippi, a Roman colony with, uh, within Macedonia. The apostle Luke who was, we also call Dr. Luke, who is the author of the book of Acts, tells us that Paul and some of his followers were evangelizing in the surrounding area, and they became involved in the conflict. We're told of a teenage girl who was a slave. The girl was possessed by an evil spirit who used her as a means to interpret and convey various events of the day and predict the future for people, and today we would we would call her a fortune teller, a medium, or a witch. This young slave girl was exploited for revenue by a group of owners whose only concern was the amount of money that she made for them each day. And the girl begins to pursue Paul and those who are with him and cry out, These men, 
are slaves of the Most High God who proclaim to you a way of salvation. Luke tells us that this girl pursued Paul and his group proclaiming this message for many days. Paul, he eventually becomes annoyed. Actually, the Bible says greatly disturbed. Greatly disturbed. After this goes on for many days, he's had enough. He's annoyed. And he commands the evil spirit to come out of her. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. He had enough of the taunting, and in the name of Jesus, she was set free. If we stopped here in this story, we would be ready for testimony time and a praise, but the story doesn't stop here. What happens next becomes an issue for those who owned her. The girl's owners find out about it. They can no longer make money with her. She has lost her fortune-telling capabilities, and this means a loss of income for them. They become angry, and they bring Paul and Silas before the local authorities where they are whipped, they are beat, and they're placed into prison. That night in prison, Paul and Silas were locked away in the deepest and darkest of the prison cells with their feet in shackles and their backs bleeding from being whipped. They weren't just placed in jail. They put them in the deepest, darkest prison that they had and shackled them in chains. They looked at these two individuals and they said, we can't trust them. We don't know what their God is capable of or what he's going to do next. Lock them away in the deepest place that you can find and shackle them up. And although they had suffered a great injustice, Christ had commissioned them to preach the gospel everywhere they went. How can they preach in a time like this? How can they even think about talking about the gospel when they are in a situation that they are in? And yet in spite of this, do you know what they did? At midnight, they began to sing songs and praises to God. In their most darkest time, they didn't throw in the towel and say, God, I've been doing everything you told me to do. You know what? Forget it. I'm done. No. They sang. They took everything from them. They beat them with sticks, but they didn't take their song. And as they sang, all the prisoners hear them singing. And then suddenly, the Bible says, things begin to shake. There's an earthquake. The doors of the cells are opened and the chains come off of them. The dynamic of their circumstances changed as they sang songs to the Lord of all creation. Let me tell you here this morning that sometimes the only difference between freedom and slavery is your praise. Praise shakes the foundation of our spiritual dilemmas. When we realign our focus and begin magnifying God, everything changes. And as they sang, an earthquake occurs and breaks off their chains and opens wide the prison doors. The message for you here this morning is don't stop. Just the, when the enemy thinks that he's got them down and out, how are they going to worship God through this? I've locked them up. I've shut them out. How are they going to worship God? But the enemy didn't muzzle them. 
He left them with their praise. He left them with their song. And here this morning, let me tell, you, tell somebody here this morning, whatever you're going through, you still have your praise. And that's all you need to be able to get out from where you are. Just when you think that it's time to throw in the towel and give up, your song, your praise, your worship is the only ingredient needed to shake open what God has for you. Brother Court Chavis, he told the story. He said that his family had gone through a fair amount of loss in the last year. I just had to share this story because it's a testimony. He said that they lost his uncle to COVID, and then his cousin, Tamara, ended up getting sick with COVID and in the hospital on a ventilator. And so he said his family set up a Zoom call so that they could call in together every day and pray for her, sing together, and uh, just so she knew that they were there for her. And he said, one day, my, my mother got this, got this audio message, this audio recording sent to her through Facebook from Tamara, and she thought, oh, it must have been sent by mistake because there's, she's not in any condition to be sending something right now. And so she played it anyway. She opens it up, and in the background, you can hear the hospital sounds. You can hear the beeping from the monitors. And in a very whispered, hushed tone, you can hear, It's your breath in my lungs, so I'll pour out my praise. I'll pour out my praise. It's your breath in my lungs. So I'll pour out my praise to you only. She could barely get it out. But although she was in the condition that she was in, she realized, I got breath in my lungs. And it was placed there to glorify and worship God. I, if you've still got breath in your lungs here today, you've still got, you still have an opportunity to praise Him. Amen. If I could have the music come back at this time. Everybody take a breath, and now let it out. If we could all stand. As long as you have breath in your lungs, you need to shout out a praise to God. In sadness, we breathe heavy sighs. In joy, our lungs feel almost like they will burst. In fear, we hold our breath and have to be told to breathe slowly to help us calm down. When we're about to do something hard, we take a deep breath to find our courage. The name God gave to Moses when he asked him, who are you? You've asked me to, to go to these people, lead these people, but who, what am I supposed to tell them when I get there? Who is it that's sending me? The name that God gave to Moses is Yahweh. Y-H-W-H in Hebrew, and it's pretty much beyond pronunciation. So over time, we've added a couple of vowels in the midst, an A and an E, so we can pronounce it Yahweh. The biblical scholars tell us that if we look at the original Y-H-W-H, all the letters represents breathing sounds, aspirated tones. God's name, Yahweh, is comprised of aspirated consonants 
that's spoken are the sound of breathing. Breathing in, breathing out. That's all that comes out when you speak it in the original Hebrew. Just breathing. From the moment of your birth until your last breath, you are speaking the name of God. How generous of Christ to choose to give himself a name that we can't help but speak every moment we're alive. All of us, always, everywhere, waking, sleeping, with the name of God on our lips. It's His breath in our lungs, so we'll pour out our praise. We'll pour out our praise. We come here today with our own individual struggles, trappings, and hang-ups. We struggle with finding the way out of our own chaos. We feel sometimes that God is off in some far distant place that we can't get to. We feel like we have lost everything and are being led away and changed like the Israelites. How can we sing the songs of God now? How can I worship God when I don't even know where I'm at? Let me encourage somebody here this morning, don't hang up your harps in the willows. Don't stop singing. It might look like you're surrounded by bad news all around you, but remember, you're surrounded by God. From the life of Paul and Silas, we see that our focus shouldn't be on the shackles that keep us from being right dead center in the will of God. Those shackles will fall in the name of Jesus as soon as you begin to praise Him. And what looked like, what looked like it was going to take you under will become your testimony. What allowed Paul and Silas to sing praises and hymns to God in the midst of their suffering was their faith in Christ. Yes, things might look worse than they have ever looked, but I'm still going to praise Him. Even though we are in darkest, deepest place that we have ever been, we won't stop. We won't stop singing. We won't stop praising. We won't stop worshiping. So here this morning, don't stop believing. Don't stop coming to the altar. Don't stop coming to church. Don't stop praising. Don't stop rejoicing. Don't stop singing. Don't stop. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.